and welcome to another brand new episode of the Modern SaaS Podcast. And this is me, your host, Yag. And today, we are going to discuss a very interesting topic from the world of sales. You know, we often uh, talk about challenger sales. We talk about different ways of sales. But when and when not to challenge a prospect is something that we wanted to really dig deep in. And for that, I have today my good friend and colleague, Stephen Kahn, who is the Director of Enterprise Sales at Avoma. Stephen, welcome to the show. I think it's been about four months since you've been here. So how are things going? Going extremely well. Obviously, we're learning a lot and kind of breaking down doors and, and, and figuring out what we need to figure out. But uh, it feels like it's only been a week, but at the same time, it feels like it's been a year. I guess that's the world of uh, startup sales. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been really, really good. Excited to be here and, and love, absolutely love the company and, and excited to see where we continue to go. Absolutely. I was really excited when we were discussing this the other day offline in one of our calls. And I thought this should definitely become an episode. And uh, especially when we were discussing about uh, when and when not to challenge a prospect, one of the things that really, you know, I was sh shaken aback by was when you said you can challenge somebody all the time. So what was that all about? Can you, can you, you know, dive a little deeper on that first? Yeah. When we were talking um, between the two of us and then obviously with Nate Hymas, who's the VP of sales about doing this and you brought up the topic or the topic of challenging when and when not, or and when to challenge a prospect in general came up. The first thing that popped into my head was all the time. And, and, and I know that's <laughs> kind of a a, a cop out to a certain extent, but I think as a salesperson, you should constantly be having the mindset of challenging the prospect, meaning, you know, anytime something comes up, you should be challenging as to why they're asking that question, right? I think, I think salespeople should be naturally curious. Um, and when you're at any stage in, in, in the evaluation process or, or when someone is evaluating software or having conversations in the sales process, you need to be willing and capable and ready to challenge them on why they're asking what they're asking, what it is that they're actually looking for, understanding you know the problems they're trying to solve. So I, I think you know challenging in general at every stage in the process is is something that salespeople should be focused on. You know, I love that. Let's probably you know look at each of these at each stage at each level what happens. And uh, you know you have you've had your fair share of working with SMBs and also working with enterprise accounts. So. Things are different at the prospecting level. Things are different at the discovery and demo level. So let's talk about each of it one by one. For example, let's let's start with prospecting. You know, at that stage, you're probably just establishing that connection. One of the things that I've always wondered about sales is that unlike marketing, you know, you don't get a long nurture time. The amount of time that you get with the prospect is very little, but the impact is way too outsized for that. So how do you challenge at that point when you're just about to build rapport and see if there is an opportunity there in the prospecting stage? Yeah, I think it starts with understanding um, understanding the the industry that you're you're calling into and the industry that you're 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 a part of as far as what you're selling. Um, you've got to sales has become so complex to uh, right now where buyers have done not even buyers but just consumers in general have done so much research. Um, and, and know so much, and there's so much information available that if you don't bring value, 
if you don't have something to offer them, if you can't come off as a trusted advisor or as uh, more of a consultant than a salesperson, you're not going to get you know, two seconds with, with a person. So what I mean by challenging someone during prospecting is ultimately you're not challenging just for the sake of challenging. You don't want to be combative, right? But you want to understand and challenge to really understand what it is that the, 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 the prospect is trying to accomplish. So I think that begins with, from a prospecting perspective, you know, when we're doing outbound prospecting, you're desperate to take meetings, right? You're desperate to get anyone on the phone. A lot of SDRs and salespeople will really, really, I mean, they're not going to turn down meetings necessarily. I'm of the school of thought that we should be turning down meetings, right? Not every person that picks up the phone, the goal isn't to get a meeting. The goal is to understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish. um, And during the call, to build rapport and you've got to do this quickly because a lot of times you'll have, you know, 30, 40 seconds on a cold call, but you know, don't take meetings just to take meetings. Your goal isn't to take a meeting. It's, it's to find out, you know, to be legitimately curious, to ask questions and to find out what are the problems that the prospect is trying to solve um, and focus on discussing their issues as opposed to talking about your solution. And so, you know, I I think a lot of people will instantly pitch the solution and then just try to get a meeting. Um, But we want to challenge ourselves and challenge the prospect to, you know, find the people who are genuinely interested and have a problem that we can solve. And if they can't, don't take the meeting. And I know that's like, (laughs) no salesperson wants to say, don't take the meeting, but, you know, especially SDRs, if we focus more on true value and build challenging that prospect to find a problem um, and digging deeper, as opposed to just trying to, you know, the, the sole purpose being to take a meeting, I think you'll, you'll have much more success. And I've found success in that area, turn down some meetings, but the meetings that you do get are, are more likely to actually convert into an actual prospect. So as a qualification there, do you mean whether this person is open to reveal the problem that they are trying to solve for, or if they at all have a problem? So what are you looking for at that stage to challenge there? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it comes back to what, what you're selling towards, but you know, you're, you're looking for problems. You're looking for obstacles. I always have, have defaulted back to pain-based selling, right? right. What, how do you quantify that and, and, and sharing stories customer stories or, or case studies or, or use cases that can draw or find anchors for pain and then kind of setting up camp on that pain as opposed to just, as I've always called it, feature vomiting about what it is that we potentially <laughs> do. It's, it's, hey, you know, we work with a lot of organizations that have XYZ problem. Is that something that you're dealing with? I see that you as the, you know, VP of sales or the VP of customer success probably deal with these things. Is that true? And so trying to identify and find an, a, a pain point to anchor on and then going multiple levels deep off of that pain, which we could talk more about uh, if, if we want to. But um, I think it's it's really challenging them to start to talk about pain and not just going surface level pain, but finding, okay, how do we then quantify that pain to tie it back to something within the business to allow for you know ROI discussions to begin, business cases to be built, et cetera, et cetera. That all starts in the prospecting side of things. And if if they're not opening up to that, they're not a good prospect, right? They're not. A, they're not a good outbound prospect, and it takes time and effort and to find those right people. And you have to challenge yourself as well as challenge them to say, "Time to move on. These guys aren't the right person." Yeah, yeah, makes total sense. And from there, moving to say the discovery stage, where we know that hey, this is the person we probably have an enriched account, or probably they have come in inbound. They understand as to who we are, or at least have an assumption of who we are. Sometimes their assumption might be right. Sometimes it might be wrong. So how does 
the challenging and the approach to selling changes in that discovery process vis-a-vis challenging in the prospecting stage? I think it's similar. Prospecting, I'm more trying to qualify and, and trying to find the right type of company and the right type of person who's willing to start having conversations. During dis- discovery, one, once you do find that person, then it's almost a, a, a matter of still going multiple levels deep. You know, I think during discovery, it's actually more realistic to go deeper and find that third level of pain as opposed to during the prospecting phase because you have more time. But during discovery, I think one of the arts is is also is identifying the perception of, of the prospect. Meaning I mentioned earlier that, you know, in today's day and age, there's so much information that uh, prospects oftentimes have done a ton of research and have already made 60, 70% of their decision, or at least what they think is their decision. Um, so from a discovery perspective, you know, they have a perceived understanding of what they need. In our case with Avoma, obviously we, we have a very strong product led GTM. And so a lot of times people will go in and actually use the tool before they ever, they ever even talk to a salesperson. So they've already created yeah. this perceived use case of how they think they should use the tool. So, you know, sometimes they're right. But most times they're wrong in the sense that they may think they know what they need, but there may be problems, obstacles that they haven't even disclosed or discovered. They don't even know that they're there themselves. And so the way that they're wanting to use the tool is this perceived, you know, understanding of, okay, this is the problem that I think I have. So as a salesperson, you have to understand, well, what is that perception? And then challenge them to say, okay, well, maybe there's a better way to do this, right? Maybe there's a, there's something that you're not, you're not understanding. And that's where being educated and being really, really informed in the industry that you're selling towards is so important because people can tell when, when you're not informed or when you don't understand the industry or the, the product that you're selling. And so it's a matter of, you know, helping them understand, okay, well, what are, how do we fill those gaps, right? What are, what are identifying what those gaps are and how our solution can kind of fill that. So first part is identifying what those, that perceived problem is uncovering what the real problem may be. And then there's also what I call kind of leading the witness. And what I mean by that is you know, as much as you want to discover the problems, those problems don't always align necessarily with what you're selling. So you almost create a narrative to a certain extent of, um, this is the problems that we see existing in the industry today. You may not even know they exist, right? But you're creating problems that your solution specifically, or not creating, you're, you're, you're surfacing problems that your solution can solve. Does that make sense? Right. And so I say, I say leading the witness, it's not really leading the witness, but it's sending them down funnels of, oh, we do have a problem with that. Oh, well, it just so happens that our solution solves for that. Right. And so you, it's not, you know, it's not a game of, of, uh, only addressing things that we can solve, but it's identifying what those problems are and then kind of leading them towards areas of problems and identifying problems that we in particular can solve well. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm loving this, especially I love this phrase, uh, you know, leading the witness that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things out of what you said also was pretty interesting for me is like, you said, this is a stage you try to go a level deeper and try to uncover their problems uh, at a specific level. Now, uh, maybe can you give an example here? So what I mean by that is, 
it to me at the outset sounds more like jobs to be done in the sense like i'm trying to understand why exactly is something a problem and try to understand what causes that is that how it works yeah to a certain extent i mean you know i i'm sure you've heard this story from nate nate always talks about golfing right he goes golfing and comes back and he's he's, he's grumpy and mad and whatever and <laughs> i don't i'm not going to tell that same story cuz i don't know it as well but i always equate it to like you know levels of pain like i come home and i'm grumpy my wife says why are you grumpy and i said well cuz the kids are driving me crazy and it's like, are the, is, are the kids really driving you crazy? Yes, they are. But why am I so upset? Right. And so if she wants to dive into it, it's like, well, why are the kids driving you crazy? Well, because I'm stressed out. Well, why are you stressed out? Well, because I've got this project that's due at work and it's really stressing me out. And I have this quota to hit and this, that, and that's all right. The, the real pain is that I'm stressed because of work, right? Surface yeah. level pain is the kids are, 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 are making me angry. Right. It, right. It, so with prospects, you want to go it's really, really difficult to go three levels deep. We always talk about get two or three levels deep on a question. Well, that's easier said than done because when you're having a discovery call with someone, you know, I, I talk about turning on the rhetorical light. I actually joke about this during discovery calls and say, hey, I'm going to turn on the light now and I'm going to interrogate you, right? And eventually I'll turn, <laughs> I'll turn it off and let you ask questions as well. But, you know, it, it's almost like you're, you're, you're the good cop, bad cop doing a, a, you know, an interrogation on these people, uh, which is why you got to build rapport and joke with them and, and, and whatnot. But my point is, you know, you're going to ask questions. They're going to give you answers where they'll say, well, my salespeople spend too much time doing X, Y, Z. Oh, oh, great. First instinct for a salesperson is to write that down. Well, they gave me pain. Well, they didn't give you pain. They gave you surface level pain. Okay. Okay. Well, that's great. Tell me more about that. What, like what, what specifically are they spending time? Like, why does that impact? Why is that? Why does that matter? Well, because they have less time to sell. Okay, great. Well, if they have less time to sell, what does that ultimately mean? We have less time to hit our revenue numbers. Great. What are your revenue numbers? Done. Perfect. Okay. Now you've quantified that pain. That's a bad example. It's a surface level example, but um, you're always wanting to, you know, don't take what they're saying at face value. And so that's part of challenging the prospect as well Is it's not that you're not believing them. It's they give you a piece of information. Great. Why does that matter? And I'll even ask that. Okay, fantastic. Why does that matter? And sometimes they'll be taken aback and be like, well, it matters because it matters. Yeah. But help me understand why does that matter? Well, because if we don't do this, we can't be as competitive. Great. If you can't be as competitive, what does that mean? We don't get as many customers, right? Again, those are off the cuff, crappy examples, but you're, you're trying to challenge them during the discovery process to go multiple levels deep and get something that you can then tie back to an ROI or build a business case to, so that if things start to slow down or we have to go get budget, you can then, you know, push back and quantify and say, well, you told me this is costing you this much money or that this is, you know, quantified at this level is that true? Did I misunderstand something? If, if I didn't, if that is the case, then what, what, what's the issue here? Right. And so it just comes back to be able to, it all starts with discovery. No, love it. it you know, if I have to sum it up, it's, it's more like, uh, instead of, um, you know, treating the symptom, you really want to understand the pain causing the symptom and then what to, uh, exactly treat that. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. salespeople will settle. I'm guilty of it as well. Salespeople will settle for symptoms right? It's like, we don't want symptoms. We want pain, right? It's not, what's, what's caught, what's the cause? We don't want, you know, we don't want the service level symptoms. We want to understand where it actually is coming from. That's fantastic. I love that. Awesome. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about a very specific situation. There, there might be times where in many ways you in the sales parlance, you call it uh, playing fetch, but, uh, you know, I want to specifically ask when somebody says that, Hey, I have a very very specific ask that I want you to do before me committing into a deal. It could be like, hey, can you extend my trial for another 14 days? Or maybe this is the feature. It's a must have. Only if I have this, I'm going to go ahead and sign up for a short period. Maybe that too, I'll sign up only for about six months or something like that. So 
what what is it you try to do there when something like that happens? I'm sure you've seen this a lot in your career. Yeah, 100%. I was guilty of this a lot earlier on in my career, and I think a lot of young reps are guilty of this. I, you said playing fetch. I've always called it being a Labrador rep, right? Meaning it's, it's that fetch, right? The customer has the ball. It's yeah. the question. They throw it and you run as fast as you can. You're excited. Oh, he's, he's, he's engaging with me, right? And you run and get the ball, get the answer and come back and give it to him, right? Yeah. The problem is eventually they don't want to play catch anymore, right? They have what they need. They're satisfied. They got what they needed and, and, and you're done, right? And you're like, well, I answered yeah. all these questions, you know, or, you know, uh, we do the, these, these, um, stages, right? Oh, it's prospecting, it's discovery, and then it's the demo. We get them on the demo, we do the demo, and then we never hear from them again, right? Yeah. Now that happens. That's going to happen just because it's the natural cycle of, of, of people evaluating software. But what you don't want to do is be that Labrador rep, meaning you're always wanting to you know, get something in return, right? Really well-trained dogs are going to go fetch, and then they're going to come back, and they're going to want the treat, right? They want something in exchange. Yeah. They're going to do things because there's a reward there. So you want to have that mindset as a salesperson of challenging the prospect at every level. It's traditional give to get, right? What are they asking me? That's fantastic. I'm not saying to be rude or or not to be consultative. You want to answer questions. But at every opportunity when questions are being asked, when, when requests are being made, whether it be to extend a trial, whether it be to do a demo, whether it be to whatever it may be, you want to constantly be thinking about what am I getting in return for this? If they're asking for a demo, hey, that's fantastic. In order for me to dedicate sales engineer resources, I need to understand that we can even do business together. Can you help me understand what the process of buying software looks like? Can we get that in writing, right? Just to understand what that process looks like. And it's going to be different for transactional sales versus enterprise sales versus whatever else it may be, mid-market. But at the end of the day, there's always an exchange that takes place. Someone is always winning, right? Uh, I think it's Boiler Room. There's uh, uh, one of my favorite movies where they're talking about like every phone call, someone is closing a deal. Someone is winning. The prospect's either winning or you're winning, right? That's a little intense. And and obviously that's a movie that I don't think it's that extreme in in, in software sales, but someone's getting closed. You're either getting closed and they're getting what they want or you're getting, or they're getting closed and you're getting what you want. And I think there has to be that, that relationship or that expectation of, I don't do things for free. And it doesn't mean you have to actually pay me, but Hey, if you want something from me, okay, great. Let me, let me send you my MSA. Can we get this in front of your legal team to, to just make sure that we can do business together? Um, yeah. you know, it could be anything. It could be awesome. I'm happy to schedule this demo, but I need to know that you're going to introduce me to XYZ person right. or, or that, that can potentially make a decision. Right. So it's just constantly having that mindset of that's fine that they're asking for things, but every salesperson should be hardwired when they're asked for something, what am I getting in return? Right. And so that's, right. I think a big part of challenging the prospect as well is to set that, uh, rhetorical contract up front to say, Hey, I'm going to, you're going to ask a lot of things of me and that's totally fine. I'm going to ask a lot of things in return to make sure that we're inching this forward and it will ultimately get us where we both want to be. And that may not be a purchase. It may be a, hey, let's shake hands and part as friends. This isn't going to work. But you're getting to something faster. Indecision is the worst enemy of a salesperson, right? As Like we all right. know. Yeah, yeah. So the whole point of this is basically to make sure that, uh, you know, we are playing the game fair and we are spending the best time of each other. And if somebody is going to be, even think of a competitive deal, you know, if if this kind of, a, if this stakeholder is going to be part of the demo of that competitor then they have to be as part of this as well so making sure that the fundamentals are set right is is that what we're setting up here right exactly right and and uh you know uh i'm super excited that you specifically mentioned indecision that's one of the points that i wanted to uh, get to as well as part of uh, this conversation today now there might be 
you know uh, i don't know uh, do you have do you have a sixth sense or do you kind of understand that hey this conversation is not going any forward or probably this guy or this person is not the key decision maker so what do i do to bring the right person on the table or uh, maybe you understand that this person is not going to be able to mobilize the conversation to the next level what what happens the moment you sense indecision somewhere in in your discovery or any of the stages of your sales call yeah i think i think uh, there's an art and a science to sales people right and I, I think we could have a whole nother call on art, the art versus the science of salespeople, in fact. But I've seen really successful salespeople who are like 80% art, 20% science, and really successful salespeople who are 80% science, 20% art, meaning they're not natural salespeople. Their processes are just so good. But I digress. What I mean by that is, is I think there's a science, or I'm sorry, an art of, of just having a sixth sense almost or an intuition of, of, of really good salespeople can recognize when they have somebody who not necessarily can buy, but is going to mobilize that, that process, right? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be a champion. They're going to get you where you need to be. They're going to introduce you to the right people, et cetera, et cetera. But as a salesperson, if you can't just rely on intuition, right? You have to understand who is going to buy. Do they know how to buy? Do they understand the process of buying? Are they the right person to buy or, or can they introduce you to the right person? So part of challenging in this stage is when you do sense that lack of indecision or that lack of initiative, you have to test them, right? To, to see if they're a mobilizer. And I think part of that is, you know, you can't just bypass people. You can't say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm sensing that you're not very important in this company. So I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and send emails to other people and try and bypass you because you're not going to get me where I need to be, right? There's nothing that's going to get the door slammed in your face, a rhetorical door slammed in your face faster than that, right? And some, <laughs> some salespeople do that and it works sometimes, but most of the time it just break, burns bridges and breaks relationships. So I think it's testing them, asking them for certain things. A lot of it's introductions. Hey, this is fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I love the conversations that we've had, the information that you've provided. Uh, you mentioned that your VP of sales needs to ultimately be involved with this in order for us to get, um, you know, approval on this uh, or to move it to the next stage. Can you, can you go ahead and get me a meeting with them? And I'll put together a business case to present, right? You have to add value. You can't just be like, can I have a meeting, please? Right? You want to add value to that, but you, you you test them. Are they going to get you the right place? If they're not, if you go two, three weeks and every week you keep, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't have a chance to talk to my VP. And then the next week, oh, I meant to, but you know, he's traveling. Sometimes that happens. But in the most cases, when you sense that indecision, this isn't your gal or this isn't your guy. And so it's, it's, it's being willing to, you know, so many reps I've seen over my career that will spend six months in a cycle with a director of sales or a director of customer success or a director of HR, whatever it may be. And then they'll come back and they'll be like, oh, we lost the deal. And you'll be like, well, what do you mean you lost the deal? Well, their CRO was friends with XYZ and they were evaluating on the side and we had no idea that was even happening. So they bought, they bought, you know, whatever the tool may be. And you're like, did you, you didn't even know that was happening? No, I didn't even ever talk to the CRO. Well, that's because you were wasting your time with somebody who wasn't a mobilizer or a champion or whatever. So you want to, I'm using a lot of references from challenger sale, obviously. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love this. And when you, when we discuss all these different aspects, um, you know, there is probably one last or probably the most important question that I have in my mind is what gives somebody the authority to challenge at what point, you know, you can say that, uh, Hey, I can challenge this. Sometimes it can be too early. Sometimes it can be too late. Uh, or sometimes it can feel that you've not earned the option to uh, challenge somebody. So how does that work? What gives you or at what point do you decide that now is the right time to do that? I think I, I, I think I mentioned this at the beginning of the call, but I think it comes back to you have to have a deep understanding of the industry that you're selling into 
the yeah. problems that you're trying to solve as well as the person that you're talking to, right? And that goes for prospecting, discovery, whatever stage in the sales process you may be. There's nothing that will turn someone off faster or again, a rhetorical door slam in your face than them sensing that you don't know, A, you don't know what you're talking about. B, you don't understand the problems you're trying to solve or C, you don't understand their business or who they are or what they're doing, right? So, you know, before you even start going through the process of, 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 um, you know, prospecting or, or running your territory, you need to build that deep understanding of the industry, who you're selling to, why. That's why research is so important, not just sending out blanket emails to everybody being, so it, it's every stage. But so that's number one is really understanding what it is that you're doing, who you're selling to and the pains that they're facing. You have to earn that. You have to become that trusted consultant. I would say also, you know, I mentioned understanding your buyer situation. That that would be number two. I looped that into number one, but I'm going to break that off and say it's a, a, a second piece. You can't bucket them into everybody else that you're selling to. Ideally, you have, uh, you know, uh, you, you've got a target uh, strike zone a client list, or a, um, you know, uh, I'm completely drawing a blank on on um, the the phrase that's used. The, the acronym we're all full of acronyms, but anyways, your tar- your target account, right, um, or your target accounts that you're going after. Um, so they're going to be similar, but you've got to understand the nuances of that particular business and, and who you're working with and what matters most to them. So do your research. And then last, I would say it needs to come from a place of trust, right? You're not challenging to be combative. You're challenging because you ultimately want to give them a better outcome, right? And they have to sense that. And so that's why, again, leaning back on or leaning hard into discovering pains, discovering obstacles, discovering inefficiencies and avoiding solutions, um, avoiding your solution or avoiding each features is probably the better way to put it. We're so quick as salespeople to jump into features. Discovery call, I've always said, if you even talk about your features, you're doing something wrong, right? This discovery should be pure pain discovery, just pure process, learning about them, being genuinely curious about the problems they're facing and if we potentially can solve them. But it's not, oh, you mentioned something. We do that. We do, we, you know, we, we do X, Y, Z. It's like, nope. No, stop. <laughs> Instead of hearing that thing and saying, we do that, you say, interesting, help me quantify that. And you get down those three levels deeper. So I think we're hardwired to get excited and again, feature vomit. So, so that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I think it has to come from a place of trust. You've got to be willing to challenge them, but not because you're wanting to challenge them, but because you're wanting to truly help them find a better outcome. Right. You know, I especially love it when uh, there is the uh, the innate natural salesperson that comes out and says that, hey, you're doing a feature vomit. That's that's awesome because, you know, it, for, for somebody who's looking at it for the first time, it might look like a rant, but that's the real passion that I often see in people. That's, that's amazing. So we covered a lot of things in this conversation, but if I have to sum up the key learnings from me from this... I would say, yes, you can challenge at any given point of time, but there is you need to earn that uh, ability or earn that respect to challenge because either you, uh, you know, you're an authority in the industry, you understand it properly, and uh, you are able to guide them through a particular process. And um, there are levels to the challenge. For example, at the prospecting stage, you're just trying to understand if they are even the right fit and qualifying there. Whereas at the pros- at, at the discovery level, you're going about three levels deeper and trying to understand are they talking just about a symptom or maybe let me discover the real pain and see if I can really solve that problem. And this is how I go about it. And then finally you spoke about um, 
is there a sense of indecision here? So how can I navigate from this to go to the right person? Can I identify this at the earlier stage and challenge them on that? So did I miss anything here? I think the only you may have mentioned this. I may have zoned out. So if you you did, I apologize. But the last thing is just give to get that 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 ageless rule yes. of of don't just be the Labrador rep. Give like if they're asking for something, get something in return, um, and have a reason why. Right. That's why you know I'll map these things out when I get to certain companies. I'll map out. Okay, well, what is the exchange? What's what, what's the get? What are the asks for, that are happening the most, and what are the get the 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 gets that we want in return of those asks? And we'll train the reps on those to say, okay, but be prepared when you ask for this. Say, okay, that's great. I can get you that answer, but it's oh, I need this, and this is why. Right, you're not just being combative. You're you're pushing back and helping them understand what that process looks like. So that's the only. If you did mention that, I apologize. But if not, that's the only one. No, I didn't. That's a good catch. Thank <laughs> you so much. And uh, you know, there are there are a couple of words that I'm going to add to my vocabulary. One is definitely the Labrador rep, and second is the feature vomit. This is going to be really really useful. Yep. And it's so it's so it's so visual, right? And and like so descriptive of of what people are doing because they're just eh, I'm so excited to get things out. It's it's definitely feature vomiting is 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 a little 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 uh, intense way to put it, but I think it's the most accurate way to kind of describe it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely love that. So thank you so much, uh, Stephen. I think we did cover quite a lot. I'm gonna uh, you know look back and listen to this a couple of more times probably convert this episode into a blog post as well to you know serve the larger audience but really really thank you so much and would do you have any final words of wisdom that you want to uh, share today sales is a roller coaster so you got to make sure that you're uh, applying the art and the science of it and trying to understand you know you can lose a deal at every intersection of of of, of the interaction with with uh, a customer you can win a deal at every interact every intersection of the interaction with 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 a, with a customer as well so um, you know, just, just keep, keep doing your thing and, and be meticulous. And, and I think ultimately, if you're doing the right things, you'll be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And uh, for our listeners, that's that from us in today's episode. And until we connect with you the next time with another amazing topic, this is bye from us. Have a good day and take care. Thank you. Thank you.